Well, good morning again. I invite you to turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11 is where we'll begin in just a moment. And do, do want to say again how grateful I am to be with you, uh, to be worshiping the Lord together on this New Year's Day, first day of 2023. Uh, do want to continue to, uh, to pray for Pastor Chad. He and his wife Cole are in Israel right now, so they're getting to see the Holy Land and enjoy some well-deserved time away kind of an anniversary trip. So do pray for them as they're gone, but I'm grateful to be able to preach this morning as we turn to uh, the book of Deuteronomy on a very significant day, right? This is uh, a day that uh, we all kind of look to, January 1, as a very significant day in our life, whether you're a person that loves New Year's or not, right? Maybe you're falling into the camp where you are the person that stays up till midnight, right? You're ringing in the new year, you're making resolutions, you're thinking about a clean slate and a new start to the year. Later today, you're gonna eat black-eyed peas and cabbage, right? You love New Year's, it's all, all about it. Or maybe you're a person that's not so much about New Year's, don't really care about resolutions, don't really care what you eat, that kind of thing. What other, what other camp you kind of find yourself in today, really all of us kind of take at least one moment, right? We kind of think and dwell on the past. We take this time and we think about what happened in 2022, think about what God has done in our life, think about what we've been able to accomplish, what we wish we could have accomplished. And then we do think a little bit about the new year. At least we kind of plan things out. We think about what things could look like uh, in 2023. Um, and it's a time that I think can actually be used really well for us as believers as we think about what we do and how we follow the Lord and where we're going. I, I think about New Year's even in the past couple of years. It's been really interesting to see more and more people kind of think about this day a little bit more. I think all the way back to like 2019, there's a big buzz about a new decade going into 2020. A lot of expectations, a lot of hopes, and of course 2020 had some curveballs to throw at us. And then I, like this is probably the most significant New Year's that I can think about in recent memory of go, going from 2020 to 2021. If you remember, like I just feel like there's a big buzz that like, man, what's that number changes on the calendar? Things are going to be completely different. You know, 2021 was going to be so much better than 2020. People were talking about that. And of course, the, the number change on the calendar didn't miraculously change the nature of, of our world, did it, right? But as we come to this day, like I said, it's a significant time for us when we can reflect. And I encourage you as we come to this passage today to really think and dwell on what your, the rhythms of your life have kind of looked like in recent days and what the Lord is leading you and calling you to do from his word this morning. Because we're coming to a passage here in Deuteronomy that is on, uh, it happens on a day that's kind of similar to the day in which we find ourselves today. This is Deuteronomy is kind of what a lot of people would say, like the last will and testament of Moses, right? If we kind of think back to the history of God's people, the nation of Israel, we see all the way back in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, Abraham is called and God tells Abraham, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to multiply you, and I'm going to bless the world through you. We kind of follow his descendants. We see the nation of Israel actually get enslaved in Egypt, and yet God brings them out of Egypt through the Exodus, through the leadership of Moses, uh, out of Egypt, crosses the Red Sea, and then God meets with his people at Sinai, and then the people 
people fall into idolatry and they sin and they begin to wander for 40 years. And then the Lord finally is about to bring them into this promised land where they will be able to live and uh, where they were supposed to be able to be the light to the nations that was promised to Abraham, right? And we come to this passage here in Deuteronomy as Moses is kind of coming to the end of his life. When he's about to pass away, God's people is about to go to the promised land, and he has some things to say to God's people. And there's a lot that he says in the book of Deuteronomy, but when we come to this passage, we see really the, the essence of what he is urging God's people to do. And I think it's significant for us in this day. So would you stand with me as we hear from God's Word, Deuteronomy 30, starting in verse 11. It's the Word of the Lord. This command that I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is not in heaven that you have to ask who will go up to heaven, get it for us, and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. And it is not across the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea, get it for us, and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. But the message is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may follow it. See, today I have set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity. For I'm commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands, statutes, and ordinances, so that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God may bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you do not listen, and you're led astray to bow and worship to other gods and serve them, I tell you today that you will certainly perish and will not prolong your days in the land you're entering to possess across the Jordan. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God, obey him, and remain faithful to him, for he is your life, and he will prolong your days as you live in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it meets us in every season of life. And we thank you, Lord, for this reminder, this passage today, or to of the command to follow you, to love you, and to walk in your ways, and to keep your commands. Father, I pray that as we go through this passage that you would remind us of your goodness, of your faithfulness, of the life that you've called your people to live, And Father, would you remind us of what Christ has done to fulfill these things and make it possible to know you and to love you and to keep your commands. Lord, you be with us as we hear from this passage. Be with me, Lord, guard my my lips. And I pray that you would work within us to go out and be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As we look at this passage, Moses' call to God's people, really when you boil it down, is simple. He's calling God's people to follow God, to follow the Lord, to give their life to Him in everything that they say and do, and the way, the posture of their heart, and the rhythms of their life. Follow God. And so, if you don't walk away with anything else today from this sermon, walk away with that. Follow the Lord. Now, Moses opens up this passage, and it's really interesting. If you were to go through the book of Deuteronomy, you would see a lot of things that Moses is bringing up about the law of God. A lot of laws for how God's people were supposed to live. And yet he opens up verse 11, this command, this command to follow God and to live for him that I give you today, he says is certainly not too difficult or beyond 
reach. That's a really interesting statement for Moses to make. Because if we were to back up and look at a big chunk of Deuteronomy, we would see laws of all kinds for how God wanted his people to live in the promised land of once they go there, how they are to be a light to the nations, how they're to, to live righteously, how they are to treat one another justly. And we see laws of all kinds, things like how to worship, laws for their diet, laws for their economy, laws for their calendar and the festivals that they're supposed to follow, laws for their judicial system and their government, how they go about war, how they manage their property, laws for marriage, and even that type of social security is kind of baked into this law for God's people. And yet, out of all of these things, when Moses comes to this passage, he says, this command that I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond reach. Why is that? Well, first, what we'll see this morning is that following God is a matter of the heart. Following God is a matter of the heart. Moses kind of explains himself, starting in verse 12 and following. He says two things. One, this command that I'm giving you to follow God is not in heaven and it's not across the sea. It's not in heaven, and it's not across the sea. Let's think about those two things real quick. Moses says in verse 12, this command is not in heaven so that you have to ask who will go up to heaven, get it for us, and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. What Moses is saying is this command to follow the Lord is not out of reach. It's not impossible for you because it's not up in heaven waiting for you to come and get it. This really goes at really two kind of things that we see in our own lives today. One, one is just kind of various systems of belief, various religions, and also just a tendency for us in our own sinfulness to misunderstand who God is. There, there's some systems of belief, right, that say there is a God, there is a deity, there is a higher power of some kind. And if you want to know anything about this God, this power, you must continually ascend to find it, right? And there might even be this idea that maybe even this God doesn't really even care about where you're at or what you're doing, doesn't really mind what kind of what's, what humanity does. And yet the, the goal for humanity is to through meditation and depriving yourself of certain things to continually ascend to this deed. What Moses is saying is, no, God, following God is not like that. The burden of finding this God is not necessarily completely on humanity. What Moses is going to point us to is God himself has actually come down to us and made himself known to us. So that Moses can say, this command to follow God it's not out of reach. It's not up in heaven so that you have to continually ascend and hope one day you can find a God that doesn't even care about you. What he's saying is no God has actually come down. It's not up in heaven. It's not out of reach to follow the Lord. There's also, even within this, I think about in my, in my own life, my own walk with the Lord, there's sometimes a, a tendency in my own sinfulness to misunderstand who God is and think that, no, maybe I actually do have to work my way up to the Lord. I tend to forget that God has actually come down to me and I place the burden of knowing the Lord on myself and say, man, if I could just get my, the right quiet time atmosphere ready, if I could pray in the right way, if I could read my Bible in the right way, maybe I could know God. And yet what Moses is reminding us today is God has made himself known to us. It is by God's power that we can actually know who the Lord is. He said, it's not up in heaven. Knowing God is not out of reach in that way. But then going on in verse 13, Moses says, and it is not across the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea, get it for us and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. Moses is saying here, it's the following God, the, 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 the way that we actually know the Lord is not something that's in a far land, far away, where we're waiting for someone with knowledge to come and proclaim it to us. 
What he's saying is like the following God and actually knowing him truly is not restricted by human barriers. It's not restricted by ge- geography, right? It's not restricted even by race or ethnicity, that if one race can know God more than the other. It's not restricted by family, that I can know God because of my family or I can't know God because of my family. What Moses is saying is, no, it's not across the sea. It's not restricted by human barriers. But again, God himself has made himself known to us so that following him is not out of reach. And so even in these first two verses, I hope you see the grace of God. God in his power and his majesty has actually made himself known to us in his word and ultimately through his son, Jesus Christ. We, we can never truly know God in his, in his fullness and everything that he is, but he graciously has come to us and made himself known to us so that knowing him, living the life that we were created to live is not out of reach for us. Paul later on in the New Testament really picks up this kind of theme. Keep your finger at Deuteronomy 30, but turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Paul understands that this this, uh, passage from Moses was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And he picks up these verses in Romans 10, verse 6. Paul writes, But the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart who will go up to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will go down into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. He says, On the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The command to follow God, this call from the Lord to know him is ultimately fulfilled. He has made himself known. He has come down, accommodated to humanity, ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one that has made it possible, made it not out of reach for us to truly know God. When we want to know who God is, when we want to know his nature, his character, his love for humanity, we look to Jesus and ultimately we look to the cross. We can look to the cross and see the power of God and the glory of God. We can see the love of God as Jesus stretched out and died for us, for our sins. So that Paul can write and say in verse 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Paul picks up what Moses is saying, that knowing God is a matter of the heart. Knowing God is not out of reach because of what Christ has done. So what we see is that in the New Testament and the Old, salvation has always been a matter of faith, a matter of the heart of coming to know the Lord. And so as we see these first few verses, there's a call for us today in understanding that truth, that knowing God is not out of reach, it's not in heaven, it's not across the sea, but it's actually made possible through Jesus Christ. The call for us today is to follow God, to follow him with everything that we are and to do so today. I think in our context, where we're at in some of our lives, there's a a tendency for us to think that following God is out of reach for various reasons. A lot of times for me, it's because of like whatever season of life I find myself in. I think that maybe following God is kind of out of reach because I'm just so busy right now. Or maybe following God is out of reach because I will be seen as a very different kind of person by those that I know, those that I love, And following God seems out of reach and too difficult in the moment. 
But in seasons of life, I mean, we, we go through things like this. For students, you think maybe when exams are over, then I will truly be able to follow the Lord as he's called me to follow him. Or when I get to college, man, that, that, that season of life, then I'll be able to really follow the Lord like I want to. Or when I get out of college, or when I get married, or when I get that job, or when I retire from that job, or when we move, or when we settle in from the move, or in the, in the new year, right? Like that, maybe in the next season, whatever season that is, we think, I feel restricted now, but then I'll be able to follow the Lord. But what we see in this passage is following God is not restricted by our season of life. What Moses says, the command that is given is not too difficult or beyond reach because God has made himself known to us. And ultimately what we see, God has made himself known to us in Jesus Christ. So the call for you today, the call for me today is to follow the Lord, to follow God, knowing that it is a matter of the heart. Second, what we'll see is that following God is also a matter of our lifestyle, right? As our first point, that following God is a matter of the heart, that is not to say that the things that we do and the things, the way that we live our lives is of no meaning or of no value. On the contrary, actually what we do and the things that we give our time to and the daily repetitions and the habits of our lives really have eternal significance, Look at verse 16 with me. This is really the center of what Moses is saying back in Deuteronomy chapter 30. It says, For I'm commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands, statutes, and ordinances, so that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God may bless you in the land you're entering to possess. Moses is really kind of going at the, the internal attitudes of our hearts and the external actions of our hands in this passage. First he says, in, in verse 16, I'm commanding you today to love the Lord your God. To love the Lord your God. This is the command from the Lord today, to love him. It's addressing our heart and our mindset, our lifestyle, the way that we do things in our lives. I think it's really significant that this is the command that is given to it. This is so different, right, from the law and the commands of man, right? You think about the laws that we have in our own life. They're often do this or don't do that. You can do these things, you can buy these things, you can own this, but you can't do that. It's, it's all about what we do with our hands, but there's no law that says you must love this. And yet the law of God is completely different from the law of man because it's actually good for us. And so God begins with the heart and says, love the Lord your God. And I think he says this because the things that we love will determine the trajectory of our life, right? Think about the things that you love things that you're about. That determines really the trajectory of your life. Think about time when I was younger and middle and high school. I had a love for, for music, right? And that really just naturally uh, gave me certain friends and the things I was involved with, gave me a lot of opportunities to go to different kinds of churches as we played music. And my love for music really shaped what I did with my life and where the direction that I went. My love for my wife, Brittany, has completely changed what I thought my life was going to look like because of my love for my wife. I never imagined that I'd live in New Orleans. Brittany actually wanted out of Louisiana. She wanted to marry a guy from North Carolina, get out of the state, right? But because of our love for one another, God used that relationship to actually bring us to this city that we love. It, the things that we love determines the trajectory of our life. My, my love for Brittany has also caused me to watch a staggering amount of early 2000s romantic comedies because the things that we love determines the trajectory of our life. And Moses realizes this. God knows this about us. And so his first command is to love the Lord your God. 
We see this in, in Moses' warning to, to God's people that the things that we love change our life, right? That he says that following God will bring blessing, not following the Lord will bring a curse. We see this throughout the history of Israel that it generally went well for them when they followed the Lord, and yet they felt, found great trial and difficulty when they fell into idolatry. And we see this in our lives as well, not just uh, our, with our, our spouse or our hobbies, but just various things in life. The way that we love God actually influences the way we love everything else, the things that he's created, the people in our lives. Think about just a really simple uh, example is just the love of food, right? A misdirected love of food will cause unhealth in our body, right? But a proper love of food will, will go well for us. A, a, a misdirected love for entertainment or for pleasures will cause laziness or cause difficult relationships, right? But a proper love for those things will help us to manage stress and, and things like that. And this is why God's command for us begins with what we love. It begins with the heart. Because the law of God is altogether different. It is something that is good for us. And with this in mind, when Jesus later on was asked what the greatest commandment was, there are a lot of commands in this, the first five books of the Bible. What Jesus says, the first is to love the Lord your God. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus understood that the greatest commandment was to love the Lord our God because that would orient the rest of our life. That would determine the trajectory of our life if we truly love the Lord. And also, we could never truly love what God has created. We can never truly love our neighbor apart from the love of God. And a lot of times when we are, certainly our culture, we want the second commandment without the first. Right? We want to love our neighbor, but we don't want to love the Lord and what the, what the Bible tells us and what experience will tell you is that not loving the Lord will cause misdirected love in every area of our life. And so it begins, the call for us today, the command for us today is to love the Lord your God. And then it goes on to walk in his ways and keep his commands. If the first part is going at our posture, our, our hearts, this second part goes to our habits and really our way of life. It goes to this idea of obedience, to really doing what God has called us to do. And maybe at this kind of point in this passage where some of us might kind of bow up against some of this language, right, of commands, of obedience. We have, you know, a lot of times in our culture, it's like, man, nobody's going to tell me what to, what to do. I'm not going to have complete blind obedience to someone. But this idea kind of goes against what, who God truly is and the nature of his commands, Unlike the commands of man, which sometimes are made for the gain of others, the commands of God actually goes toward our flourishing. Our, our, the good life for us is found in keeping the commands of God. We see this as Moses goes on, like to keep the commands of God, his statutes and ordinances, so that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God may bless you in the land you're entering to possess. We see that it is good for our very existence to obey the God that has created us. This is a principle that I think is, is so applicable to this passage, but really, I tell, I tell our youth a lot of times when we read various passages of Scripture, passages that are well-known, passages that we don't read very often, passages that are easy to understand, passages that are just difficult to really understand what the message is, it's good to keep in mind that, that in everything that we see God doing or God saying in the Word, or when we see God not do something or not say something, we can trust that He is good. 
and that what he does is good for his own glory, and it is good for us as well. So even in these things, when we see commands from God, we can trust that it is good for our very existence to obey the Lord, to keep his commands, his statutes, his ordinances, so that we may live with him. So if our first point this morning kind of led us to this call to follow God today, to not be restricted by the seasons of life, but to follow him today. This point really affects how we go about following the Lord. It informs the nature of our relationship before God. And that is that the nature of that relationship is one of complete dependence. We are completely dependent on the Lord for our very existence. There's so many times in our life when we don't know actually what's good for, for ourselves. Times where we're often misdirected by, we have misdirected loves in our life. Our need for the Lord to show us what is good and what is true, to give, to show us what the good life truly is, we are completely dependent on God. This affects the way that we pray when we go to the Lord to ask Him to work within us, to truly love Him and truly keep His commands and follow Him in obedience so that we may live and find life in the Lord. So we see that following God is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of our lifestyle and what we do. And finally, this last point comes really as a warning to us today. And that's how Moses kind of finishes this little section. Following God is a matter of life and death. Following God is a matter of life and death. You think about the, this statement, right? Again, Deuteronomy is kind of this last will and testament of Moses. He's before God's people, really, in kind of the last time, one of the last times that he's really speaking to God's people. There are all kinds of things he could be saying. They're about to go into the promised land. They're about to go into a new season of life. There are all kinds of things Moses could tell God's people, but he kind of keeps things simple and says, follow God, love the Lord your God, and obey him. I think he does this not just because it's a simple thing to remember, because because Moses realizes and understands that following God is a matter of life and death. He says in verse 17, But if your heart turns away and you do not listen and you are led astray to bow and worship to other gods and serve them, I tell you today that you will certainly perish and will not prolong your days in the land you are entering to possess across the Jordan. Moses is saying, if you do not follow the Lord, it will not go well for you. The reason for this is, is not as we sometimes kind of misunderstand really who God is and thinking that maybe God just gets angry when his people don't follow him, right? And he just wants to punish them uh, because uh, he just gets mad, right? It's not necessarily even because of that, but it's what we see is later on, Moses says that God himself is your life. God is the one that is the giver of life and turning away from him naturally leads to death. So following God truly is a matter of life and death. And he warns his people to not turn away and follow idols, to bow down and worship them. As we read that, there's sometimes when we can kind of think, well, yeah, of course, Israel would be tempted to fall into idolatry. There are nations around them. You think about the Canaanites, the Assyrians, the Babylonians. They were worshiping false gods. So yeah, you know, Israel would be following, be able to fall into idolatry in that way. But actually, what we see in our own lives is that we have that same temptation as well to fall into idolatry, to begin to worship something that is not God, to elevate something that has been created above how we worship the Creator. And so ultimately what Moses is setting before us, what God is setting before us in his word today is not the question, are you going to follow God or are you not? The question becomes, 
Which God will you follow? What will you worship today? For some of us, the question is, will you worship the true God or will you worship your own status, your own successes, your own personal glory? Will you worship the true God or will you worship the, uh, the thoughts and the opinions of others? For some, it's like, are you going to worship the true God or are you going to worship the God of just being right, of this idea that I have the right beliefs, I know what's right, and I can point out what's wrong. Are you going to follow that God or the true God? Are you going to follow the true God or are you going to follow the God of being secure, of like, I've got the right house, I've got the right car, things don't seem too crazy in life. Are you going to follow that kind of God or are you going to follow the true God? For me, a lot of times, it's are you going to follow the true God or the God of efficiency, the one where you like, I can get things done, I can knock off my checklist, right? Am I going to follow that kind of God or the true God of the Bible that actually calls me to abandon all others? Because this is not just a matter of living right or not living right. What we see is this is a matter of life and death, of following the God that is the giver of life. As Moses says, he is your life and he will prolong your days. You're going to follow that God or you're going to follow a God of your own creation. So we are met in this final passage with a dire warning from the word that following God is a matter of life and death. And so as we come to the end of this passage, There are a few questions that we must ask ourselves based on what God's Word says. Look at verse 20 with me. This wraps up, says, Love the Lord your God, obey Him, and remain faithful to Him. This is how we live this out, this passage out. This is as we walk away today, going into this new year. This is the call for us today. Love the Lord your God, obey Him, remain faithful to Him. In this moment, just take take a moment to think about where your heart is, right? Following God's matter of the heart. It's a matter of our lifestyle. It's a matter of life and death. Think for a moment, where is your heart? What are the things that you love? What are you allowing to determine the trajectory of your life? Think about your lifestyle, your habits, right? This passage even shows us that there's significance even in the mundane events of life. There's eternal significance in the way that we live and the habits that we cultivate. What, what kind of habits do you have? And also think, do you really view following the Lord as a matter of life and death, something of eternal significance for your life. What we see is that we're called to love the Lord our God, to obey Him and remain faithful to Him. So let's think for just a moment. I'll give you just a moment to kind of think through these questions. But the first is this, to love God. Do you truly love the Lord? What we see in, in the, the course of Scripture, the only way we can truly love God is through Jesus Christ, who loved us first. What we see is that this, this passage is really calling out for the coming of Jesus Christ. The, what we celebrated last week, we continue to celebrate today, the coming of Christ. We're longing for one who can make it not too difficult or beyond our reach to know God. We're longing for one that can truly show us how to love the Lord, that can truly show us how to obey. And we see that ultimately in Jesus Christ that came and lived a perfect life and died for our sake and yet rose again so that we can know the Lord. We only love God through Jesus Christ. So do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Do you love God? The second is to obey him. Do you seek obedience, right? Is, is obeying God something that you understand as eternally significant for your life? You understand that obedience is not this kind of oppressive thing that we sometimes think that it is, but it's actually something that allows us to flourish. When we obey God, who is truly good and does things for our good and for his glory, 
Do you seek to obey this kind of God, or are you resistant? The call is to choose life, to pursue obedience to him. And finally, are you remaining faithful to him? This passage really meets those of us that maybe have gone through or are currently going through kind of a waning season in our walk with the Lord. The call today is that returning to the Lord, of coming to God in repentance, remaining faithful to him is not too difficult or beyond reach, but we can turn to him and obey him even today. I'm going to pray in just a moment. And this will be a time for you to respond to what God is calling you to do. We're going to sing a song together. I invite Pastor Gary and I. We'll be up here at the front if you'd like to pray. After the service, we'll be out in the foyer as well if you'd like to think through these things more. I'm going to pray as we prepare to continue to worship. Father, thank you for passages like these that remind us of the significance of our lives, the significance of following you. And Father, remind us of your goodness, that you, Lord, have come down in the person of Christ. You have made yourself known to us. God, we thank you for that kind of grace, Lord, that we can know you and know you truly in your Son. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to remember that even the mundane events of our life actually matter before you. The way that we live, the way that we think, the things that we do, Lord, you have called us to specific things, to love you and to obey you. So, Father, help us to, uh, to pursue obedience, to obey your commands, Lord, knowing that those commands are actually good for us. They're good for our existence as your creatures. Lord, so help us to remember those things and to pursue obedience in your name. And Father, we thank you for the, the call uh, to remain faithful to you, to return to you, knowing, Father, that following you, is a, it truly is a matter of life and death, of following the God who is the giver of life, or following a God of our own creation. Lord, forgive us of times when we are mistaken, we have misdirected loves for the things that you've created. Lord, would you bring us back? Would you give us the strength that we need to love you truly and truly obey you in Christ's name? Amen. Would you stand as we sing it?